Welcome to the Remarkability Institute podcast, turning the art of communication into the science of remarkable results. BART is committed to giving 1 million people their voice. BART is committed to giving you your voice. It's time for you to stand up, step out, and speak up. With more than 30 years experience helping people develop their communication skills, build their confidence, and find their voice, here's your host, Bart Queen. We've been hitting a gamut of communication topics. Now, if you've been following me, there were three major buckets that we were going to spend time around. The first bucket was around this idea of delivery, physically how you come across, The second bucket was around crafting content, your message, your presentation, your keynote speech. And the third was around interaction. Today, I want to take us deep into this idea of the way we use our visuals. I am not going to spend a lot of time giving you tips and tricks on how to create your PowerPoint slide. I'm going to give you a high-level overview of that. But where I want to spend the heart of my time with you is how we use our visuals, not how do we create our visuals. The University of Illinois did a study on the use of of visual aids. Guys, they found that someone who uses visual aids are 85%. They are 85% more effective than someone who doesn't use their visual aids. So the question you and I have to ask ourselves is not whether I use visuals for my presentation, my meeting, my talk, my virtual webcast, my Zoom session. That's not the question. The question becomes, how do I use them in such a manner that I stay the center of attention? Guys, just from my experience of helping folks for over the last 30 years, It is absolutely critical, no matter what communication channel that you're using, that you stay the center of attention. I want you to remember that people buy you before they buy the visual aids. I want you to remember that people buy from people that they like. And I want you to remember that people buy from people. They don't buy from companies. So when we slap up a bunch of slides and you thinking you have the ability to sell your company, your solution, tool, or product, you're missing the mark. They're going to buy you first, and then they're going to get your visuals. Now, those visuals could be PowerPoint, a whiteboard, a chalkboard, or a handout. It could be a prop, whatever you decide to bring to the table. Now, as we walk through this brief section today, I'd like you to do two things for me. I want you to take two paradigm shifts. Paradigm shift number one, I want you to think differently about how you craft the slide. And paradigm shift number two, I want you to think differently on how you use the visual. Now, if you'll do those two things for me, here's what I think you're going to find. Number one, you stay the center of attention. You stay the focal point. Number two, you're going to find that engagement goes through the ceiling when you make these paradigm shifts. And most importantly, in my mind, you will increase your ability to influence people. Now, I want you to remember something. John Maxwell said that leadership is nothing more or nothing less than pure influence. Guys, what we do when we use our visuals, when we are communicating, we are influencing people. We are taking them from point A to point B. 
We're taking them from a place where they are uncertain to a place where they are certain. And I want you to remember, primarily, write this down now for me, that the purpose of a visual aid is to enhance your content, period. Visual aids are not your notes, but that's how most people end up using their visuals. Now, in our segment today, I'm going to break it into two major buckets. The first bucket, I'm going to cover just some tips and tricks that may help you as you craft your slides. These are very simple ideas that will keep you the center of attention. Then I'm going to spend the majority of our time together really talking about how to use those visual aids in such a manner that you stay the center of attention, you keep your audience engaged, and you keep this idea that it's a conversation. So let's really look at the first idea that I want to share with you around crafting your slides. Idea number one, one idea per visual. So if I'm looking at your slide, if you're crafting a slide, that should communicate one idea. You could have five bullet points on there, six bullet points, whatever you decide. You can have a cartoon, you can have a quote at the bottom. But as long as all those things on that one slide communicate one idea, then you're winning. Second, what I call golden rule. The title must convey the essence of the slide. I should be able to read the title of your slide, guys, and know exactly what you're talking about. So many times I see people bring up a slide and you read the title and then you're trying to make a connection to what's in the body of the slide and there's no connection. You should be able to look at the title of that slide and know exactly what I'm going to be talking about. Now, I want to make application with that idea to a whiteboard. How many times have you walked into a business meeting, maybe you walked in late, and there's a bunch of things on the whiteboard, and there is no title on that whiteboard, and you sit down and you're trying to catch up, but you have no idea what that person's discussing? If you will put a title on your whiteboard and then put underneath it whatever you want, if you will put a title on your flip chart, a title on your chalkboard, I don't care what you're doing up there if you're handwriting, put a title and then put everything in it. The principle applies, one idea per visual. So whatever you put up on that whiteboard, you've got a title and then everything underneath it should be communicating around that single idea. Golden rule number three. No more than seven words in a title. Now, I know as you're thinking, Bart, that's a lot of words in a title. Yes, I'm trying to think maximum here for you, especially for those folks of you who are in technology when you need a fair amount of words. Now, seven in the title can include a of, an a, or a the. So you may need those kind of simple words, and that's why I'm allowing you to expand to that total idea of seven words per title. So let's look at what I've given you. One idea per visual. The title must convey the essence of the slide and no more than seven words and a title. So let's kind of look at the next golden rule I want you to think about. This one is critical and this is where I get the biggest pushback. Pictures are better than text. Pictures are better than text. Or you've heard the old saying that one picture is worth a thousand words. So I'm going to ask you a question. When you think of someone in the marketplace that used to do a tremendous job with pictures in what I would call their presentations, 
Who comes to mind? The person that comes to my mind was Stephen Jobs. Think about when he launched a new Apple product. He was in his typical black uniform, black t-shirt, black turtleneck, black jeans, black shoes, up on stage, very conversational. Behind him, when he launched a product, typically a bunch of pictures. Because he knew that you would identify with the picture, glance to it, and stay focused on him. The other brilliant thing that he did was he would put music behind it. So you and I both know that when you see a picture and you hear some type of music, you get an emotional connection. Stephen Jobs was brilliant at the principle that people buy with emotion and they verify with fact. And he drove that whenever he did his presentations. Now, for those of you in the technical world, you're thinking, okay, Bart, if I bring up a picture, I can talk about the picture. But if I'm going to leave something behind for my customer or my client, they're going to look at those pictures and not be able to make any connection. You're absolutely correct. And I'm with you 100%, which leads us to the next golden rule. And that golden rule is what I call the double deck idea. Guys, do me a favor, write that down, the double deck idea. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to create a deck that you put war and peace on. Make sure that there's no white space if that's what you feel like you need to do. Create the second deck that follows the golden rules that I'm sharing with you. Now, between the two decks, two things have to be the same. The titles have to be the same and the slide number has to be the same. What changes, it's what's in the body of the slide. Now, in your technical world, Notice you get to give your client, your technical person, your Mr. R&D, Miss R&D, you get to give them the information that they need. But when you're actually doing the talk, you're sharing information, you're keeping people engaged by seeing your picture. I am not saying that every single slide has to be a picture. I am saying that a picture can speak a thousand words. Now, I want to bring one more note in with this one. When you are watching someone share PowerPoint and there's a bunch of text on the slide, nine times out of 10, who is the communicator or the presenter in your words? Who are they connected to? Are they connected to the audience or are they connected to the slide? Again, guys, most of the time, if there's a bunch of words on the text, the presenter, the communicator, is connected to the slide because they're reading the slide. Whereas if you have a picture, nine times out of ten, you've turned and you're just talking about the picture to your audience. Now, which creates more impact? Of course, you being connected to your audience, not reading your slides. Guys, if you're listening to this podcast, if I find out just by chance, if somebody comes and tells me, Wow, they were reading the slide. I'm going to come find you. I'm going to hunt you down and I'm going to hurt you because it is the number one complaint by executives, people who read the slide. Your slide is not your notes. Your audience is perfectly capable of reading. You don't need to read it. Pictures are better than text. So now with that thought in mind, let's just look at an example of what would be typical text possibly on a slide. 
So if we were looking at a slide, on average, you're going to see anywhere six, seven, eight, maybe nine, ten bullet points that people will put up there. So if I was to ask you what would be a golden rule for the maximum amount of bullet points on a slide, what number would you come back and give me? I've heard people say three. I've heard people say seven. I've heard people say five. Three is beautiful. If you can get three bullet points on a slide and be cool with that, that is awesome. But in your world, I'm going to let you go a little bit more. Five. Guys, no more than five bullet points per slide. Now, hold on. I'm going to ask one more question. How many words per bullet point? How many words per bullet point? A lot of people will say three. Some people say seven again. Some people will say five. Five is the correct answer. So here's your golden rule I want you to make note of. It's what we call the five by five rule. The five by five rule. So if you think about it, that's five bullet points with five words per bullet point. That's roughly 25 words. And if you think about seven words and a title, that's a total of 32 words. Guys, that's a huge amount of text to put on a slide. Now, if you came to me and you were asking me a coaching point and said, Bart, I need seven bullet points, but I'm only giving you three words per bullet point, I would say, okay, stretch it then, because you're really only at 21 words. The idea is no more than 25 in the body of that slide. So if you need to do a variation with that, don't worry about that. If you will basically stick to these simple golden rules and you have one slide that has more, or a title that has more, don't worry about that. That becomes the exception to the rule and not your general rule. Whether you're learning a new skill or sharpening your existing skill set in communications, you have an approach to learning that works best for you. The challenge is whether the training you need is face-to-face -face or virtual. The question becomes, how do you find training that matches your learning style? The Remarkability Institute with Bart Queen offers participants learning options online, self-directed, virtual, or a combination of virtual and classroom to drive both behavioral change and knowledge transfer. For more information, visit us at bartqueen.com and go to the Remarkability Institute tab to learn more. Now, the next two golden rules you will not like me for. And this is one of the, both of these, or when I get people just cringe in their seat. No bullet points, no sub points. I love the guy that's got five bullet points and three sub points under every major point. Too much. Now, come back to the double deck idea, guys. If you want to do a double deck idea, do that. Put your sub points on there. Absolutely fine. Because remember, that's the deck you're giving them. That is not the deck you're showing. Your sub point should be the things that you naturally talk about and have a conversation around. The second thing you're not going to like is this. If you put it on the slide, you have to talk about it. If you put it on the slide, you have to talk about it. How many times has somebody brought up a slide, say they had seven bullet points on it, and they only talked about four of them? And in your mind as a listener, you're going, why didn't they talk about those? Those must have not been important. Or maybe you even thought the presenter, the communicator, doesn't even know their own slides. All you did by doing that was creating doubt and you're lessening your credibility. 
Now, if by chance, team, just by chance, you walked in and the person who invited you said, Bart, I'm really sorry. I know we gave you an hour, but your time has been cut in half. I apologize. The person who spoke before you, Joe, spoke way too long. And so your time is cut short. Okay, no worries. You're not going to be able to hit every single bullet point. So at the front end of your presentation, your talk, whatever you're doing, I want you to mention that. I want you to just say something simple. Today, my time has been cut short. I'm not going to be able to hit every single bullet point like I had planned. I'm going to hit the top three or four. Now, if by chance, after this is over, you'd like me to go back and address any of those key points, those bullet points, I'm more than happy to. Now, let me ask you the question, the critical question. As I go through my slides and I skip a bullet point, does it bother you? No, because I set it up on the front end that I couldn't cover it. That's what we call a logistical square. Anytime you do your talk, a presentation, a meeting you're going to do, I would have a logistical square or what you may call housekeeping, where you put that kind of information before you launch into the meat of your information. That square in my mind covers a multitude of sins. Those kind of examples when someone says your time has been cut short. So let me review just right here what I've covered. No more than five bullet points, no more than five words per bullet point. No subpoints, And if you put it on the slide, you have to talk about it. The caveat to all that is your double deck idea. If that's what you'd like to do in order to give the technical person, whoever you want to have, all the minutiae details. <clears throat> now let's go to another golden rule. And this is the one where it's the second major complaint by executives. How many times have you heard someone say, I know you can't read this, but let me tell you what it says. Team, this is another one. If I ever hear that you say that, I'm going to come find you and hurt you again. Your slide has to be easy to see and easy to read. Now, I love the guy that uses the 12-point font when he's speaking to an audience of 2,500, and the guy in the back row can't even read it. And that's when the person says, I know you can't read this. Let me tell you what it says. All you do is let your credibility go down when you make that kind of a comment. Here's just a thought. If you're going to go speak at a conference, get a hold of the conference coordinator. Ask them to send you the schematic of the, the drawing of the room that you will be in. Now realize that when you go to convention halls, you go to major hotels, they have to do a diagram of what that room looks like from a setup perspective. Is there a stage or no stage? where the door is, where the water station is, where the microphone is, where the screen is going to be. They have to lay all that out and there's a schematic drawing. It will give you the length and the width of the room. Ask them to send you that. Then base your font size on that drawing. Now, if you are just going to a client site, there are two key questions that you should always ask. Number one, what's the logistical setup? If you will ask that question, the client who's asking you to come in will say, what's well, a little boardroom table? No, it's one of our bigger conference rooms that holds 100. They'll give you the idea. That way you can walk in the door with the appropriate font size. Now, when it comes to font size, 
If I'm going to walk into someone's office and just do a one-on-one, just a one-on-one with someone, I can't encourage you enough, team, no smaller than an 18-point font. Now, that's just sitting across a desk with someone and talking and sharing and bantering back and forth and showing some slides. But if by chance you're going to go to a client site in a larger group format, your rule of thumb is this, bigger is always better. Bigger is always better. You want to make sure the readability factor is high. If someone has to strain to read your slides, you're in trouble. And God help us all if the executive gets up out of the chair and walks to the screen because he can't read or she can't read what's up there. You might as well just walk out the door because your credibility is now lost. Now that leads us to one more question around this font size idea. Maximum number of fonts per slide. Maximum number of fonts per slide. Most people will tell me two. Your rule of thumb is three. One in the title, two in the body. Now, what I mean by two in the body is this. Your bullet points are probably going to be one size and they'll all be uniform. If by chance you need a pie chart or a bar graph, you might want to label that. So you've got to label parts of the pie chart or the bar graph. That's where you get the third font. Do me a favor and make sure all your title fonts are the same size. So if you by chance have a longer title and you have to reduce the font size by one or two, whatever you do, then make sure you reduce them all to the same. Keep them consistent. You get more of a uniform picture when you do that. Now, probably the other issue that comes up a lot, and for most of us out in the marketplace today, your company dictates what your background colors are. When I first got involved in the marketplace, if you remember way back in the beginning of PowerPoint, most of the time it was a dark background and light text. And if you remember when you used to go to print, you had to go to grayscale. Today, for the majority of companies that I interface with, it's all a lighter background. Sometimes it's just a pure white, maybe it's a light cream, or sometimes I've even seen a light blue. If you're doing something more socially, you're doing something at your church group, at a Boy Scout group, a Girl Scout group, something you do with your, your children. You're speaking at an association. Think through the background color and the font if you have freedom to do it. Most people today are doing a lighter background and a, dar- a darker print, a darker font. If I'm dealing with an elderly audience, I typically do a darker font and a lighter print because it pops out and stands out better for them. If my client said, Bart, I got to tell you the room is dark, then I'm going to do that lighter background because I want to flood the room with a ton of light. This becomes a personal choice depending on what you're trying to do. Think through it from a listener's perspective, not from your perspective, from a listener's perspective. If everything we do as we create our slides is more listener-focused, you'll find that you're far more effective. Now, that brings me to the last two points I want to make on actually crafting slides. When you craft a slide, each slide, you should ask two critical questions. First critical question, what's the point I'm trying to make? This is where you're tying in your bullet points and your title. 
So I should be able to look at my title and look at my bullet points and be able to articulate the point I am trying to make with that slide. The second thing you want to ask yourself is what's the impact that you're trying to create? Let me give you an example. Let's say that I had went to a major company and did a presentation to an executive group. And the CEO came up and said, Bart, this was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. My son is a senior in high school and he's involved in an entrepreneurial club. Could you take this presentation and go present it to his club? I think it would be of huge value to them. And of course, you're probably going to say yes. So when you go back to your office and you're going slide by slide, you're asking yourself these two questions. What's the point? What's the impact? The point's probably not going to change. But when you ask yourself the impact, it might. You're going from an executive audience to a group of high school students. So you decide to put a video clip in. You decide to add some animation behind it. You decide to add a cartoon to it. Because with the high school students, your, your goal to entertain is higher with them than it may have been with that executive audience. So please remember that there's always two choices as we think through what we do. There's educate and entertain. With the executives, the majority of it was educate, low on entertainment. High school students, it's the reverse. High on that entertainment, and I'm still educating, but a little bit more higher on that entertainment to make it more engaging for them. The last point I want to give you is what I call a guesstimation tool. I want you to be able to guesstimate based on the time frame that you have been given the number of slides you should have. So let's start off with this idea of a 60-minute time slot. If I was to ask you, you've got 60 minutes to come present to my team or my company, how much time frame would be your golden rule as a guesstimation? Now, this is where when I'm teaching class, everybody's all over the board. Some people will say one slide for 10 minutes. That would be great, but probably pretty unrealistic. And someone will say one slide per five minutes. I said, well, that's tremendous. That's that's great. In your technical world, I, I still don't think that's realistic. Your guesstimation guiding principle is this, one slide per two to three minutes. Now, I am not saying you have to talk about each slide for two to three minutes. I am saying that you look at your time frame of let's say 60 minutes and you do one slide per two to three minutes. If we go to the maximum of two minutes, that gives you about 30 slides. Now, if you said great, I'm gonna say wrong because there's something I want you to factor in that we have not. If I gave you a 60 minute time slot, I want you to factor out your banter, or your Q&A time. So let's say, example, we've got 60 minutes and you said, Bart, I want 15 minutes to banter and do Q&A at the end. Okay, 45 minute is your real time then. Now I do one slide per two to three minutes. Now I'm at 22, 23, somewhere along in there for the maximum number of slides. Now you're not gonna like me on this point either. That includes your title slide. Guys, that includes a slide that people put up that says questions or Q&A. 
Why you need a slide that says questions on it, you just can't ask your audience. I don't get, but you see it all the time. Transition slides. When you go from point one to point two, those count. If you bring up a slide with your email address on it or a link where they can download something that you're sending to them, that counts. One slide per two to three minutes. Make sure you back out your Q&A time. Now, what if someone said, I'll give you 30 minutes. What's the maximum amount of time that you should have, or the maximum amount of slides you should have in 30 minutes? Executive level audience, 30 minutes. No more than 10. CEO Magazine recently came out with an article that said this. If you're going to come in and speak with an executive level audience, come in and tell us a story. Do not bring in PowerPoint. Learn to tell your personal story more effectively and learn to tell your company's story more effectively when your time gets shorter like that. Don't walk in with a bunch of PowerPoint. Now, what if the executive says, I'll give you 10 minutes or 15 minutes? How many slides? If they're going to only give you 10 minutes, team, no slides. Walk in, tell the story, grab their attention, and then you can come back in. If you get that executive team to say, wow, that's really interesting, Bart. Aru, tell me more. We want you to come back. You have won. If you walk in the door, set up your laptop and try to show a bunch of PowerPoint in 10 minutes and you have lost them and they're not engaged, you've missed your opportunity. People buy from people. They don't buy from PowerPoint slides. They buy from you. So when you walk in that short amount of time, you should be trying to build your likability factor and your trust factor and that factor that says, me too, I'm interested, tell me more. Now, guys, in this segment, I've really had an opportunity to give you some golden rules around slides, just some simple things, nothing written in stone. Guys, nothing that's coming off the mountain. These are just simple ideas that keep you the center of attention. So when you think about the average room that you end up having to present or communicate in, you're at a boardroom table. Dead center in the room is that screen. If you go into modern training rooms today, you will see that the screens are off to the side. Guys, if you will think about major award shows, the Grammys, the Academy Awards, the Country Music Awards, if you think about those big award shows, where are the screens? They're off to the side. Now, there may be one screen way above the stage. Those are for those, that slide, that screen is for the people up in the nosebleed. That way they can see who's up there on the stage presenting. But what should be dead center is you. Everything I've shared with you in this segment has been about keeping you the center of attention. So I come back to what I started with in this session, guys. The number one thing that you need to do is keep yourself in the center of attention. People are going to buy from you. What I want you to do is apply this principle the next time you have to create a slide deck. Think through each one of those and do your best to map to those golden rules as closely as you can. Here's what I think you're going to find. Number one, that audience is sitting on the edge of their seat waiting for you to share more and more. You're going to find that they're looking at you and not looking at the slide. You're going to find that the banter is both ways instead of this one-way thing where you're going slide after slide. 
And more importantly, you're going to find that your ability to influence that audience goes from point A to point B, and it is exponentially far greater. Remember, as you use your slides, you still have to take control. You still have to control yourself. You still have to control the conversation and the content. And you still have to control the situation that you're in. This is Bart Queen. This is the Remarkability Institute. And I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Remarkability Institute with Bart Queen. Make your voice count today. Stand up, step out, and speak up. Your voice counts. Visit BartQueen.com for show notes and other resources to help you turn the art of communications into the science of remarkable results.